Welcome back to episode number 71 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys, so keep comments and questions coming to me. I really appreciate it. You guys can email me, jeff at thempdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook and send me a PM there, either through my personal page or the NP Dude's page as well. You can always tag um, me at the NP Dude on any of your Facebook posts, and it'll put a hyperlink to my Facebook page so that people can find find the uh, find the NP Dude podcast. So um, we're at eight sixty something, uh, eight sixty, yeah, something. I don't know. I don't even look this morning. I don't know how many likes it is, but we're getting there. Slowly chipping away. We're getting closer and closer to that thousand mark. Um, I need your help, though. I really need your help, guys. If you if you like what I'm doing, you think it's worth a crap, tell your friends. Share it with students at, at school. Tell your friends at work. Tell everybody that's, that, that has issues about anything that is affecting their practice. Even if it's not a show that they listen to now that might help them, have them send me an email. I'm always interested in the things that are bothering you guys because if they're bothering you, they probably should be bothering me, and I might just be ignorant to it, and I don't know anything about it. And there's one today I want to talk about that I was completely ignorant to. Completely. Had no idea. Didn't have a clue that this even existed out there thought I knew what was going on, and uh, it just goes to show how different things can be across the country, and, and so we'll get into that here in a little bit. But I want to I want to hit one first that I saw on Facebook, and it, I see this all the time. It's probably like once a month it comes up. Question is, should I get my DEA license or not? Do I need to have it? Is it required? All those questions revolving around the DEA license. And I see so many opinions and so many different ideas out there that it's like, man, you don't, you just don't know what to do. You, 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 you know, if I was on the receiving end of this advice, I'd be like, I still don't know what I'm doing. I got 800, you know, responses with a ton of different opinions, and they fall into a couple different themes. Theme number one is, you should get your DEA license because you're authorized to practice and, and provide scheduled narcotics, and you should do so to the fullest extent of your ability. So that's a, that's a good opinion. I, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that we should practice to our fullest scope. I'm okay with that theory and that philosophy. The second one, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You don't want to get... In, known as the person that gives out narcotics. Well, that's another good one. I don't want to be known as the guy that just gives out narcotics. So that gives you a nice out to say, I don't have my license to do those meds. I'm really sorry. You're going to have to see another provider. Okay. And then that leads to the potential of, you know, I'm losing client base. Now, do you really have that many people that are looking for those medications? Would they would they go see somebody different just to get narcotics? Chances are, if they're leaving your practice because of you know back pain and they want chronic pain relief, the problem is is that they're probably going to have a hard time finding somebody to manage that unless they're going directly to pain management. So I don't know if that's a great argument to say, well, you're going to lose your patients if that happens. If you're really good at what you do with your patients and you treat them well and you just happen to say, look, I, I never got that license. It's expensive. I don't do those pain meds here. We don't do them right in, in family practice. Then then I don't see them like fleeing from your care. So I, I would be okay with that, that second argument. I'm, I am. I'm okay with it. I'm also okay with if you want to do them, do them. That's up to you, right? I mean, it's just another level of scrutiny, however, that, that you know, in in the world of changing regulations and the, the frowned upon uh, view of, of use of opiates, at least in family practice, 
in in lawn care, you know, pain management is getting more and more difficult, right? I mean, all the way around. I think everybody can agree on that one, especially in the Northeast Ohio area where people are dying of heroin, opiates, pills all the time. 70% of prescriptions, people dying. That's that's a pretty compelling reason not to do it in Northeast Ohio, at least, because there is a huge diversion. Someone's getting them somewhere, then they're they're not, you know falling off the back of a pickup truck <laughs> they're getting prescribed and then they're getting diverted so it's happening it is happening so I'm okay with not doing it now the other arguments that are out there now these are the more practical reasons that I would say go ahead and do it now if if you have to pay for it out of pocket and your employer says no you know you don't do it and it's up to you to get it if you don't want to get it I wouldn't get it it's 700 bucks 725 bucks or something it's like 728 or something I, don't know, I can't remember the number 727. It's a weird number. That's every three years. So when you divide it out, it's not that big of a cost, but it's still a decent chunk of change up front. Especially if you're a new grad, you ain't got any money like me. That's a big chunk of cash to pay for something. Now, in practice, in reality, if you're in family practice, you're going to have kids. You're going to have kids that are on Adderall. You're going to have kids that are on, you know, methamphetamines of some kind. That that are scheduled and so it would be nice to have those because parents that are busy and have to go to multiple providers to take their kids to different things can be you know it could be a a hiccup in their day and so as far as a political standpoint to keep your parents happy it's not a bad idea to have it now I don't start kids on those medicines because I'm not psych I just don't do it now could I yeah I probably could um, but I just don't it's not what I want to do. I'm not that guy. I tend to tell people, you know what? My kids are crazy. And there's times where I look and I'm like, they got to be ADD. But there's other times they could sit down and play a piano concert. So they could switch it on and off. I think ADHD or ADD, you can't really do that. Now, maybe that's an ignorant view of that. But that's why I send them to behavioral health to get analyzed by somebody that really knows. Now, if they're on it and they're stable and they're getting good grades and the parents are reporting that they're doing well at school, everything's going well, I'm peeing a cup, I got my substance um, uh, controlled substance agreement in place, I don't care. I'll refill it. I just got to do it every 30 days. So I got to see him back and ask him every, every month, hey, how's things going? How's school? Get any fights? Do the whole spiel, right? It's not a big deal once it's set up. So I, I don't mind doing that. So for having a DEA license to do those things is okay. I'm okay with that. Now, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I, I hurt my back over the weekend and I really want some Percocet, I'm going to say, uh-uh. If it's that bad, you need to go to the ER. You need to get you need to get imaging because if you really hurt something, you might need to get it fixed like right now so that you don't have permanent nerve damage or drop foot or anything funky like that. So you need to be evaluated by the right people immediately if it's a new onset. Now, chronic, if they come in to be chronic, I'm sending them pain management. I just don't do it. So do I really need my DEA license? I really don't from that perspective. Now, more practical yet, a lot of the credentialing bodies ask for your DEA license, and it's kind of a hiccup in the credentialing process if you don't have the DEA number down, from what I'm hearing. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. If you just you know don't put anything down for DEA number, they may ask again, and it slows down the credentialing process, but they probably would accept your, your application for credentialing without those numbers. They just might slow it down and have to re-go through, all, you know, if you got 30 plans that you're doing and each one of them delays for a week or two, that's a lot of cash that you might be missing out on for the practice. 
So I, I think from a practicality standpoint, the, the cost of getting it versus not getting it just from the credentialing process, I think is worth it. Now, I would negotiate that into my deal and say, look, I know that your credentialing is going to be a little bit of a hiccup if I don't have my DEA license. So if you want me to have that, you got to pay for it. And if you're going to pay for it, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be, you know, doing whatever the practice wants me to do from a scheduled controlled substance type um, prescription mindset. They don't get to control your license and what you do with it, regardless. So I would I would back that down a little bit and say, you know, just 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 so you're aware, it's at my discretion on if I want to or feel comfortable prescribing these medications, and it's and and I guarantee that I am going to be more strict with giving out medicines than any guideline that a practice will ever have. Because the practice will probably follow the rules. I'll probably be more strict than the rules because I don't want to be on the wrong side of it, on accident, or being perceived by the community at large as, as just handing out pills. So you don't want to be known as that person either, right? So you got to be careful on it. But uh, But... I've seen some people getting like mad on the Facebook threads. They're like, you need to get it. You absolutely need to get your DEA license. It is, you know, you have to do it to keep our profession moving forward. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I don't think you're any less of an NP because you don't have a DEA number. I just don't. You can still manage chronic, chronic illness. In family practice, there's almost never a good reason to give out a new medicine that's a scheduled narcotic. Maybe Ultram. That might be the only, only one I could think of. And it'd have to be a really compelling reason in someone I really trust. Even for Ultram, just because it's scheduled. It's, you know, I, didn't get, I didn't put it on the scheduled list. If it wasn't scheduled, I'd probably use it more. But it's scheduled now. Not going to use it. Not going to just free willy-nilly give it out. Because the government says there's substance abuse problems with it. I have to agree. Not that I necessarily do, but I have to. So it puts me in a pickle sometimes because people are, you know, coming from other practices with these medicines on board, and I'm like, hey, I'm not doing those. We've been through that before, right? We've talked about that in the past. And if you guys have a different take on it, or if you have a different issue with uh, your DEA number, why or why not you should or shouldn't get it, I want to hear from you guys. Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. Send me uh, some PMs on that one. I really would like it. You can leave a comment below the show. You can also comment on the Facebook th- uh, thread that's on my page when I post these as well. Um, Twitter, you can Twitter uh, tweet. Twitter tweet. I don't know what Twitter tweet is, but you can tweet. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, so you can uh, leave me a reply there and, and say, you know what, you know, powers, you're full of crap. You need to have it for these other reasons, and you don't even know. So tell me. I want to know. I want to know the compelling reasons. I have my DEA. I did it out of um, uh, kind of necessity when I was doing substance abuse stuff because I was in the process of getting Suboxone, so I needed it for my my X waiver anyways, but um, so if somebody's going to pay for it, I'd say get it and just don't tell anybody you have it, <laughs> you know, just pretend like you don't have it, just pretend, it's on your prescription pad though, that's the other thing, now, ooh, that's what we're going to talk about, we're going to do prescription pad stuff, right, this is some information that kind of came to me through an email and if somebody was requesting for a specific state, I'm not going to say what state it is because I don't want to divulge too much information, but let's just say there's multiple states with this issue. I'm going to name a couple of them that I know of, and I'm going to presuppose some that will have the same requirements. New Jersey, New York, and I'm guessing California, you might have some more of the West Coast states as well, 
have some tighter requirements on your prescription blank, um, the control of them, like what you do, where you keep them, how you keep them safe, whether you, you know, uh, how they're like registered and stuff with that, like that with the state. Ohio, we don't do that. I went through and looked up the board of uh, pharmacies rules. I looked up oh, the Ohio Nurse Practice Act and looked everywhere I could try to find the requirements for, is that cop? Uh-oh. See, I'm, going, I'm not going that fast. Yay, no brake lights. Oh, maybe. Alright, time to speed up. He's over the hill. <laughs> okay, now I gotta slow down. It's 40 miles an hour. Whoops. Sorry. Um, always makes me a little bit nervous when I pass a cop going a little bit quick. So, um, but in Ohio, there's no real prescription blank requirements other than the ones that were set forth. And I believe they were all mandated by the CDC's guidelines, which is kind of a weird place for them to happen. But I don't think there's a, a federal pharmacy regulation board. I think they're all state. So the CDC was where that kind of came from. And basically what that said was they have to be a certain shape and size. They have to have the the um, the watermark that if you, if you photocopy it, it turns and says void on it. You have to have the little micro numbers in the corners and all that stuff. So there's a whole bunch of requirements that, that, that mandate... Um, what the prescription has to look like for the pharmacy to accept it as a true and real prescription. And if it's not on the proper form, then they won't fill it. They can't fill it. And they probably turn it in as like a fraud. Like it's being being fraudulently represented as a, a real prescription. And the person that's turning it in may or may not get in trouble. Right? Because they may be thinking they're doing something wrong. Anyways, so but that, that's Ohio. That's like the minimum of requirements. Then, then there's some general guidelines like you just have to keep them safe and it's your responsibility and your due diligence to make sure that they don't get stolen. And that's kind of where it's limited. If anybody knows anything else about prescription blanks in Ohio, has a good primer or some kind of an outline from somewhere that talks about it, I can't find one. And I spent a decent amount of time. I'm pretty good at research and I couldn't find anything good. I found the rules and then it was it. But they were pretty bland. There wasn't much to them. So in Ohio, I'd like to hear more. But in these other states, New York, New Jersey, there's heightened scrutiny with respect to your prescription blanks. And they, they have to be turned in or accounted for and reported to the state. In Ohio, I think you just buy them. You use them. And it's up to you. If somebody steals one and uses it for narcotics or something like that and fraudulently represents it, you could get in trouble for someone using your prescription pad because they might think it's you and you're inappropriately prescribing medicines. Prove it's not you. If their signature is pretty close to yours. Yeesh. How do you prove that one? My signature looks different every time. So try proving it. It's, it's pretty hard to do. So the, the idea that, that you have to turn in the numbers or the um, register the numbers on the, the prescription pad to the state and then if something happens you have to report it to them so that way it alerts them to those numbers and I mean there's there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff that's out there that I was like I didn't even know this existed. So the hypothetical question that was asked of me, all that was background just to give an idea of the, what the issue is. The hypothetical that was asked of me was I work for a company that that I don't fully trust them. <laughs> and that's not a good day. If you don't trust the people you work for or work with, and especially with things like your license and your, your prescription pads, that's kind of a rough day. Well, it's got the company name on the prescription blanks, and, and you're leaving this company. This person's leaving. 
They know they're leaving. They know they're gone. And the former employer says, don't worry, I'll get rid of those for you. What's the liability there? Well, it depends on the state, right? So if you're in New York, New Jersey, and I'm guessing the West Coast has some similar requirements too, then you have to turn in those prescription blanks in some form or fashion. Now, physically, you may not have to turn them in. You could probably just chuck them in the shredder. But somehow you have to notify the state as to those numbers are no longer active. So that prescription pad, all the blanks in that are dead. You can't write on them because they have the company name on them. And that's part of the requirements that was set forth in the CDC was that it has the the provider's name, the provider's you know office phone number, fax number, you know uh, state license number, um, your DEA number, and in Ohio you're supposed to have your CTP number on it, which <clears throat> I don't think anybody does. I'm I'm not sure. I, mine doesn't, and they people accept it, so I'm probably in violation. I don't know. They changed it. CTP's gone. So I don't know how that's going to work. So that's why I was like, I'm not going to make a stink about this because the CTPs are gone now as of April 6th. But they got my license number, so they can find me. So the intent is there. I'm okay, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully I'm okay. I'm sorry, Ohio board. I'm trying my best. Um, I'm joking. So the the issue there is, you know, what what do you do? Do you, do you trust these people that they're going to throw these things in the in the thing and notify the state the proper way and do all that stuff? So I I sent the the rules that I found for that specific state to this individual and said, well, I hope this helps, but that's a hard one because you know it's almost ninety percent political and ten percent the law. So hanging your hat on a law that says here I need to have them and it's my right to have them and you have to give them to me, I don't think that exists. But it is your responsibility as a provider to be in charge of your own prescription blanks because if somebody steals them and uses them, or if you make it accessible for someone to snag a couple off of the top of the pad so they can go write some Percocets for themselves or their friends, then you, um, you, you might be getting yourself in some trouble there. So I, what I would do from a political standpoint in that specific instance would, would be just be honest with them and say, look, I, you know, my concern isn't that you're not going to throw it away. My concern is that the state's going to find out that I didn't, I didn't do it properly. So it's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're breaking up with, with someone, right? It's not you, it's me. And then be like that. You know, bring it back onto yourself so that way you don't, you don't accuse them of being a, a turd of, a, of an employer and you know, that you don't really trust them. Go out in good graces. Try not to be, to be mean about it. But say, look, I really want those in my possession. I need the numbers off them. I need to turn them into the state and tell them that it's done. Now, physically, you may have to turn them in. I'm not sure what the rules are in your specific state. But I don't think you have to send them to the state. But they are registered, which is kind of bizarre for me. It's like you have to register your prescription blanks. That's weird. Somebody else that's that's more knowledgeable on this, I'd love to hear from you guys. I really, really would. I'd love to have you even have on the show and explain to me the process for your prescription blanks because I think that would be a neat one to talk about. Someone email me. I'm begging you. Jeff at the NPDude.com. I can't find anything good on this. There's not really good guidance. And I'm sure it's been boiled down through your, your state boards of nursing uh, that tell how you need to do this and what your liabilities are. But I didn't have time to go through each state board to figure this thing out. But I did look through a handful of the rules for New York, New Jersey, and I didn't crawl to California yet, but maybe I will. I doubt I will. I'm running out of time as it is. But um, interesting one. Didn't think it existed. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know there was even a requirement for that. So, But but it, what it did do with, for me in Ohio was, you know, I'm... I'm 
kind of doing a better job of keeping track of my script pad. I mean, I was I had it kind of hidden in my desk, but it's kind of on my possession throughout the day, and it comes home with me now, and I'm keeping it on me, and that way it's locked in my in my possession, so that you know whether it's whether it's um, someone walking by in the cleaning crew that happens to see my prescription pad sitting out and snags two or three off the top. That's a, you know it could happen. I'm not saying I don't trust it. I don't even know who my cleaning crew is. I don't know who it is. That's the problem, right? And then the other thing is is um, you know if there's somebody in your staff that's disgruntled and wants to really get back at you because you're dumping a lot of work on them or something. You never know. Um, I don't think that's in my office, but it could happen. You get somebody that snags a couple of your script script pad sheets there, some of your blanks, and you're in trouble. You're a big doo doo over that one. You could be in trouble just for it getting stolen. You know, even in Ohio, you can get in trouble for the not keeping it locked up. Now, I think there needs to be a harm. Otherwise, who would call the state board and care? So I'm not sure that matters. But um, I'm not taking the chance. I'm locking things up. Staying with me. I'm, it's it's like my social security card. I'm keeping it close to the vest. You're not going to see my numbers. <laughs> You're keep, I'm keeping them there. That was an interesting one. I appreciate the 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 ability for someone to, uh, or to, I guess I should say the um, the trust in somebody has in me to to send that to me and say, hey, what should I do with this one? Because it, there's no great answer. <laughs> it's almost all political. No matter what you do, you're going to probably piss them off. But I would try to do it in a way that's you know a little bit more mild and try to just get the things. You know, if, if that's what you're really worried about and everything else is going to f- fall apart anyways, just get your hands on the things and then walk away. Just, just take them. <laughs> they got your numbers on them. Take them. They're yours. That's that's kind of my philosophy. Even if they put the name on it and they paid for them, it's, it's your responsibility to keep them safe. Um, last thing I want to talk about today, there's, well, two things. I want to do one other thing real quick. Um, I just want to explain something, and it's, this is not a complaint. This is not a, a, a gripe about anybody at all. So please don't take it that way. I'm, tr- I'm begging you not to take it that way. But I want to explain that sometimes there's a little bit of a lag on this show between the time that I see something on Facebook and the time that I post it. And so sometimes there's sub-threads of content of people filling in the, ga- the gaps or more knowledge is gained in a specific instance. And then people listen to my show and, are, and they say, well, Jeff, you got it wrong. And, and I'm like, yeah, well, I, I might have, but and that's very likely. <laughs> that's very likely. I get stuff wrong all the time. And I put myself out there more than most people do. So I am going to get stuff wrong. I'm okay with that. And you guys are there to correct me. So if there's something that I say wrong because I missed it, in a Facebook thread, call me out on it. But just keep in mind that sometimes information flows fast and I can't keep up with getting my content out there and get all of that stuff caught back up. I'm not going to go re-record a show to add more content to it to describe more specific details in, a, in an instance. And that goes for any of the posts. Now, if it fundamentally changes what I would have said, then I absolutely would correct it. And, and I would try to do my best to do that. And, my, and it's not my goal. Now, also, keep in mind, too, sometimes I see a Facebook thread and I take the theme from that and I'm using that theme to make a discussion topic. I may not be talking specifically about that individual's instance. 
Sometimes I do, but uh, but a lot of times I take that instance and I say, I saw this on that, and it brought to mind a good topic to talk about. So keep that in mind, too. So if there's anybody out there that gets frustrated with me because I'm not doing you know, the, the podcast exactly as what the Facebook thread is as it develops, it's organic. It can't, it, I can't keep up with it sometimes. So I apologize. But if you see any of those things where like, oh, Jeff, you blew it. You really blew it. Here's why. I'm super receptive to those. I really, really am. Send me a note. Email me. You got my contacts. You guys know how to get me by now, right? All right. So that's that. But that's not a gripe. I'm not griping. I, I, I appreciate the feedback. I really do. But sometimes I'm like, you know, I didn't see that because it happened a day and a half after what I when I did the podcast, and it just took me a day or two to get it out. And sometimes things lag. So that's me. It's it's not you. It's me. See, I can use that too. It's not you. Um. Last one of the day. I had a student send me a comment that said, what do you do or how do you handle all of the internet readings that can happen for you? And do you worry about it? How, you know, what's, what's the issues in, in reality and practice? And to be perfectly honest with you, when I'm at work, I don't even pay attention to my readings. I have no idea. I've, I've, I went on and put my picture on, I think, on health grades. And I didn't do any of my, once I asked for insurances and stuff, I kind of crap out because I didn't feel like figuring them all out because they're, they're kind of a moving target until they're all credentialed. So, and no, most of the people that are coming to me aren't, you know, they either come to the practice and then they either get put on my schedule or, you know, not too many people are seeking me out per se. I've got a couple, but not many. But the bigger deal there is, do I care? Not really. Because in reality, if you're doing the, the best care you can, you're not going to worry about your grade, health grades anyways. I mean, it's, it's nice to be loved, and it's nice to have great ratings, but just like on this show, if you guys think I'm a turd, I want you to tell me. <laughs> if people think I'm awful at my job, then I may just go away. <laughs> if people stop coming to me, that's, that's fine. It's a free market. That's why I love it. If I do a good job, you'll come back. Today's my interview for tomorrow. It's the same thing with, with, with an at-will employee thing, right? It's the same concept. If I treat people right today and do the best I can for them, they're going to come back tomorrow. That tells me enough. I don't need health grades. Now, if somebody says, you know what, Jeff's health grades are a 4 out of 5 or a 3 out of 5, and here's some negative comments about them, most people will read the comments and can, can discern whether that comment is, is legitimate or not just by the way that people rant online. So if somebody's ranting, you know, pages and pages of, you know, he did this, and then they did that, and then they didn't do this, and they didn't do what I did, and I wanted them to listen, and, and all these different things, um, you can't control that. There's people that are always going to just trash talk, and that's what they love to do. They love to be trolls. That's fine. Let them be trolls. Now, there are ways, I think, that some practitioners, um, a, a lot of docs do this. I'm not sure if practitioners do it as much, but I'm sure there are some that will give out a sheet that says how to go on to health grades and fill out a rating. You got a patient that loves you, says, you know, I, I tell all my friends to come see you, and you know, they just brag about you to everybody. You know, they're your fan. They love you. You, you just it, you click with them personally. Everything's they, their care is getting done. Their A1Cs are coming down. Their hypertension's everything's wonderful, and they love you. And they they just it's great. Give them a form that tells them how to do it. You're going to get better health grades. Now, is that disingenuous? I don't know. Maybe a little. I don't know. I mean, it's it's marketing. So it, does it really matter to me? Not really. I, I, never once have I walked into a patient's room and said, I need to worry about my health grades, so I better be really good today. 
That's, that never once crossed my mind. And if, if that's what you're worried about going into the room is how people are going to perceive you in the, in the public at large, I just don't think that that matters that much. I think word of mouth is a lot more powerful in your community than health grades, which is some internet thing where the, you get four votes that says you're you know a three out of five or a four out of five. I don't even know if I have any ratings. I, I have no idea. I haven't even looked. I put the picture up just so people knew it was me, and that's it. And it's not even actually in the right place because it was my old job. So people aren't even finding me through that anyways. So I don't think it matters. I think it's still that way. I don't know. I should probably update that. <laughs> Tell me, guys. I want to hear what you think about health grades. Do you guys make a big deal out of it? Do you use it as a marketing tool? Do you see any benefit for it? Um, do, you, do, do you have anybody that comes in and says, well, I saw your health grades, and man, I'm, that's why I'm here. I want to hear from you guys. Send me a note. Uh, PM me. You can email me, jeff at the mpdude.com. You can always, always, always catch me on Facebook. Give me a PM personally. I become friends with like anybody that says... Um, sends me a friend request. I'll I'll accept your friend request personally. I don't care. Now you gotta have something nursing in your in your profile. If there's nothing nursing in your profile, I have no idea who you are. I'm not gonna accept it. So just just a heads up. So but if it says you know studying MSN or MSN or RN or anything like that, boom, done deal. Accept because we're all in the same boat. We all need to be friends with each other. We, it's just the way it is. But send me a note, guys. I want to hear new show ideas. I want to hear your problems. I want to hear it all. It's the only way we're going to get better. It's the only way I'm going to get better. It's here from you guys. Because I could sit at work. I could go to work. I could come home and I could study the things I think that are important of like learning about. But I don't know if those are the things that are really going to be issues for me. So I need to hear from you guys so that we can be on the same page. So I appreciate it, guys. Have a wonderful day. And we'll talk soon.